I will readily admit that I love today's uh, first reading, the last verse in the first reading. And a great multitude of priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And I keep thinking, if only that were true. <laughs> not, not really. But what St. Luke is recording is how the Jewish priests, those who were involved in the temple sacrifice and assisted with the sacrifice, assisted with various other things, uh, those who had been most steeped in Jewish teaching and thought and liturgy, they were beginning to embrace the, the Christian faith, or what became the Christian faith. That they were listening to the Lord and allowing their, that listening to have fruit in their life and becoming followers of Christ. And today in that second reading, we have St. Peter uh, telling us that those who are disobedient are lost. And this idea of obedience, uh, seeing it twice, perhaps uh, we can use that to look through our gospel to see something unique. Because after all, obedience isn't just uh, following rules, but it's listening. In fact, the root of obedience is to listen to. And if we pay attention to that, <clears throat> perhaps we can see how St. Thomas and St. Philip this is not their finest moment at all, because they fail to listen to the Lord. The context for today's gospel passage is Jesus has just washed their feet. He've told them that uh, Judas is going to betray them without telling them Judas was the one. He's preparing them for his departure. And he tells them, do not let your hearts be troubled. And this word for troubled is, uh, St. John uses it most of all the all this New Testament writers. And he uses it for uh, right, right before this, that Jesus was troubled in his spirit as he's uh, preparing to say goodbye. And here, do not let your hearts be troubled. But he also uses it in the whole uh, issue of the man who was paralyzed, the man at the well, or not at the, uh, at the pool, uh, pool, who was disappointed for 34 years trying to get into the pool, and before he could get in, somebody else would always get in. But it, it says that when the waters are troubled. So the image is, is this roiling pot of water, this chaos in one's soul, the emotions being all troubled. Maybe you as graduates might have some experience in that troubled spirit these days of what are we to do and where are we going to go next year and all these things. But it's part of the human condition. We're so easily troubled, aren't we? And we, we let the smallest things disturb us. In fact, maybe that's a theme that we might uh, hold on to today. And I know that uh, the world tells us don't sweat the small stuff, but we do need to pay attention to the small stuff. Jesus tells them, I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again. Because in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. That's the way it's translated here. Some have translated it as mansions, which is appropriate, or houses, or rooms. Whatever it is, Jesus promises that he's going to prepare a place for each one of us and that he will come back again and take us to himself. What joy that ought to give us. What comfort that ought to give us. That he is not abandoning us, that he's going to come again. And where I'm going, you know the way. And poor Thomas, not listening. How can we know the way? We don't need to know the way. Jesus said he's coming to us. But Jesus 
emphasizes with this threefold proclamation of who he is. If I remember right, this is the only time Jesus uses three images when he says, I am. He, he uses it twice, uh, I am the resurrection, the life, and the raising of Lazarus, but we might recall that he says, I am the bread of life, I am the good shepherd, I am the sheep gate, I am the light of the world, but here, I am the way and the truth and the life. And as I was reflecting on this, we've had a number of chances because we had the Memorial of St. Philip on Wednesday, and, and naturally this gospel passage was in two parts on Friday and yesterday uh, for the daily Mass readings, uh, reflecting on it and, and preparing. Why would Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? And why would he, those threefold things, especially when nowhere else does he give us three things at once? He gives us two things at once, resurrection and life. And they're interconnected, aren't they? Maybe these three things are interconnected too. And think about it. Jesus is the way. Now the word that's used is literally road, but it also is a process or, 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 or a, a, a way of doing things. Well, that requires a body, time, and space. That Jesus is the way to the Father. That for our very bodies, the very process we use, it is Jesus. And he tells us that he is the truth. The word that's, uh, that for truth uh, literally means in, in the Greek, not hidden. Something that's revealed. Something that we don't create, despite what the world tells us, create your own truth. No, we discern the truth, uncover the truth. In fact, my favorite definition of truth is the mind's conformity to reality. That we do not create it, we discern it, we discover it. It's our mind that helps us to understand truth. And Jesus is that truth. uh, In St. John's Gospel, right after this, Jesus is standing before Pilate and he says, I came to testify to the truth. And Pilate asks, what is truth? Certainly wasn't Pilate's finest moment because truth was looking at him in the face. Let us be clear, truth has a name and it is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the truth, helps us, helps our minds to grasp the reality of who God is. And Jesus says, I am the life. The word here is, is uh, zoe. It, uh, there's two words that mean life in, in Greek, bios and zoe. And zoe is always something, a higher life. And, and in Christianity, it's a resurrected life, an eternal life, a life that is lived only in God the Father. And it is the soul that gives life to the body. So if all the three of these things are interconnected, maybe it's body, mind, and soul. That Jesus Christ is the body, mind, and wants us to be engaged body, mind, and soul in finding the Father. And when he reveals the Father to us, we understand that he is the very revelation of the Father, the gift of life. He is the way to the Father. And he tells them all of this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Philip's not so fine moment. Oh, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. At this point, I see Jesus doing a 
face plant. Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? Poor Philip. Maybe Thomas and Philip stand as a, a stark warning to us this day. A stark warning to listen to the Lord, to listen to his words, to pay attention to what he's saying, because what he's saying is radical. It's extremely radical. That at its very root, which is what radical means, it is, if it's not true, crazy. Because Jesus Christ is saying, you can only come to God the Father through me. I am the only way to the Father. I am the only truth. I am the only life. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's no other way to the Father. The church has, based on this and, and the understanding, has said that there is no salvation outside the church. So often we hear that and say everyone who's not Catholic is damned for eternity. That isn't what the church means by that. But if, the, if anyone is saved, they're saved by Christ alone. Our Jewish brothers and sisters, those who do not uh, embrace uh, the, the faith in Jesus Christ, but strive to live that, their Jewish faith out, those who, unlike the priests of the Acts of the Apostles, who have not encountered the Lord in a life-giving way, they may be saved, but if they are, they're saved through Christ Anyone outside of the Jewish faith or the Christian faith, anyone outside the faith, if they are saved, they're saved through Christ. And wouldn't it be better to be saved by one you know than by something you don't know? That's why Jesus Christ can say, I am the way, the truth, the life. <coughs> because he reveals the Father to us. He's the one who gives us salvation. He's the one who dies on the cross for us. This is good news. And so often we might forget it. And we live in a world that wants us to forget. And you as graduating seniors especially, you're about to enter that world. Maybe you've been sheltered a little bit here, I hope. And now as you go off to college or Votech or work, wherever it is, you might not have that shelter. And it's up to you to continue to discern, where is Christ calling me? How do I follow Christ this day? How do I stay close to him who is the way, the truth, the life? And to always, if you're ever lost, to stop and to recall that truth has a name. If you ever wonder what the truth is, it's a who. It's Jesus. And I don't say this just because I'm a Catholic priest. In fact, as I so often say, I, I say what I say, not because I'm a priest, but I say what I, 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 I'm a priest because I believe what I say. I believe what the church has said, that this is truth, that Jesus Christ died for you. He comes to reveal truth to you. He comes to reveal himself to you so that you can have an eternity with God the Father. There are so many things, good things, that await you in this world, wonderful things. And there's so many things that are not so good, that might seem tempting, we have to remember that that fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil looked, looked good too, right? But to remember, no matter what, Jesus speaks truth to you. To come back to him. To come to him daily, hourly. Some of us are so desperate for him, we need him every second. To know that that's not weakness, but that's strength. Again, let me be clear. Truth has a name. It's Jesus. 
live with Jesus. Seek him, no matter what you do. As we come this day, we ask the Lord to help us to know him, to know Jesus Christ, who reveals the Father to us, to know Jesus Christ, who is truth for us.